Hello, and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 89. I have a wonderful guest uh, that I chat with today called Stephanie Devine. She is divine and very courageous, um, not only having come through breast cancer, uh, but now actually creating the world's first zero-waste bra, and we're going to be talking all about how exactly she managed to do such a thing and she came up against quite a bit to get here. Uh, But it's a really wonderful look at the intricate details that a pioneer needs to go through to find suppliers, um, to analyse how a material is made to really find the best possible solution and so on. So I know that you guys who are really interested in transparency in the fashion items and, and personal Uh, fashion items that you buy to actually dive into this and see just how transparent it can be when someone decides to start a company the right way. It's really, really inspiring. I just want to remind you that you literally have just a few more days left in May to enter the Winner Years Coffee from the wonderful Republica Organic team. Uh, and quite a few of you have made quite desperate pleas in the comments, as only one can if one loves coffee. And it's been um, wonderful to see so many entries. So please get your entries in by popping over to any of the show notes from May and um, pop a comment down to say, you know, I really need this coffee and I'll be drawing the winner uh, next week on the show. Uh, So good luck to everybody there. And please don't forget also they have a wonderful offer of 30% off. Lotox30 is your code and republicaorganic.com.au is their website. So if you want to make the most of that, you've also just got a couple of days left. Thank you to everybody who gave me such beautiful feedback from last week's show. If you haven't heard last week's show, I actually read a few small extracts from my upcoming book, Lotox Life, so originally named, and it's been awesome hearing that it's actually motivated you to want to pre-order the book and can't wait to get it because because of what I shared. So that's just like, I mean, I, I just couldn't have hoped for a better response from, from you guys. And, um, and I really just hope that this book is, as um, my publisher Jane and I kind of ended up calling it, a really comfy, cosy approach to change. You know, yes, change can feel like we're stretching ourselves and uncomfortable at times and tricky and almost like you want to give up. But Ultimately, because of where we're headed, because of this move towards making decisions for our health and a happier planet, it feels so good that change actually ends up feeling so cozy and wonderful. And you just, your heart is always warmed. Every farmer conversation, every chat that you have with an ethical fashion producer, it all just becomes so lovely. So um, I am really excited that we so don't have long to go. We've got like just over a month to go for Australia, a little over two months to go for the uh, UK and Ireland and um, and then three months to go for the US. Sorry, you guys are getting it uh, in September, but you know, um, it's, it's on its way. So uh, I'm going to kick straight into this week's show because I think Stephanie's story needs to be told. And please do connect with her Kickstarter campaign if it in any way inspired you to do so. Uh, the Very Good Bra is what the campaign is called. And even though they've exceeded their goals, it doesn't mean we can't all jump on and buy a bra. Uh, for our male listeners, what better way to show your eco-conscious female partners in your life, um, mothers, sisters, aunties, daughters, 
that it's possible to have a zero waste bra. So this isn't just for women to be buying them. I think everyone who is eco-conscious or knows someone eco-conscious who wears a bra can get in on this. I'm really excited about it and super excited to bring you Stephanie's story today. Enjoy. Steph, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm super well and I'm so excited to have our chat today. There's some very exciting things going on in your world right now and the world for all women for the, the kind of beautiful product you're making. And I'd love to start by asking you how this all came about. Was it a really recent, aha, I've got to make this zero waste bra or does the story go back a little bit further? for you okay yeah no, it's a longer story so first of all thank you for having me on I'm excited to be here and talk about what I'm doing um but yeah my story actually starts just over 10 years ago at the end of 2006 when I was diagnosed with breast cancer um and it happened very quickly you're diagnosed on a Friday you're in surgery on a Monday and on Saturday you're trying to find non-wide bras in proper cup sizes to lined with cotton to get you through treatment and um I went to a big department store and the only bras that I could find in my cup size were maternity bras lined with cotton and and I'd just been told I'd never have kids after chemo and it was an incredibly confronting time as you can imagine. I know, it was so powerful. You feel that as a woman and as a consumer you've just disappeared, you know. So um, I bought a few sports bras and even they have some synthetics in them and just sort of ran from the shop really and went through through seven years of, of, of well sorry, seven months of treatment and um and it really stuck with me it stayed with me for a very long time and 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 I revisited it started revisiting about five years ago right and can I just ask you've mentioned mm. lined with cotton you've mentioned finding um it hard to find a non-synthetic was this something that you were told to be wary of or Absolutely, something you yeah. started to realize yourself were they no, healthcare professionals telling you this yeah, so this is your breast care nurse who says that, you know, going through radiotherapy, your skin will burn. So you really need a synthetic is going to increase the heat in there. You need something that's going to breathe. So mm. they recommend cotton gotcha. during radiotherapy. So so it's a medical reason that you have to have that. Mm. Okay. And, yeah. and so then five years ago, so what started mm-hmm. happening there that made you revisit this? And yay that you're here and well and fabulous and doing all this great work. <laughs> that's so good. Thank you. Well, I think that really anyone who goes through this, it's it's very hard in those early years to think you're going to live. It's, it sounds a bit. I mean, you don't think about dying every day, but but you you you're anxious. You're more anxious. You don't take the future for granted. But when you get to the five year point, it's a really big landmark, and you think, wow, it's five years. The chances are I'm going to carry on living now. So what am I going to do? And I'd gone back to my career in financial services and it felt like a big thing to go straight back in, you know, even when I was bald, um, to prove that nothing had changed. But fundamentally, things had really changed a lot for me. Mm. I, I was a headhunter in financial markets and and it was the height of pre-GFCF GFC 2007. People were being paid so much money. And I'd just come from this world of amazing nurses who, you know, work and inject um chemo into you wearing sort of suits that Homer Simpson wears or the Simpsons to you know, mm. make sure they don't get 
they don't get anything toxic on them. And you think these people give so much for so little and going back into that world felt very, very alien to me. <laughs> Give, and, yes, because they're getting yeah. so, they're giving so little for getting so much. It's the like money. There wasn't the opposite. anybody. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all these 30-year-olds who want sign-on bonuses and guaranteed bonuses, and you think, really? You're 30, you know, <laughs> calm down. So I just... It's a crazy world. Oh, it's crazy. So I thought, look, this thing, I really, really want to do something about this bra thing because it's, it's actually... It's very, your whole identity, your sense of identity goes once you lose your hair and your eyebrows and your eyelashes. And you really want to wear something that is is exactly what you would normally wear. Everything about the way that you look is so different. On the inside, you want to feel the same. So I started, luckily I had some friends who worked in lingerie as designers, and, and I just started working with them some evenings. I I said, I want to make some bras without wires. And we got together every now and again, and they kindly gave their time. We'd buy some sushi, and we'd all sit down and, and work this through. And it took about, I set it up in 2012. It took about two years to actually make the first bra, mm-hmm. which was a beautiful organic cotton non-wide bra. Um, and on the back of that, I was picked up by the Livestrong. I, I I applied to the Livestrong Foundation in Texas's Big C competition, which was a social entrepreneurship competition um, about improving the the lives of people going through cancer. And this idea of just bras without wires was was picked up, and I was fast tracked to the semi-finals, and then I got through to the the final ten. And and on wow. the back of that, I I was approached by someone who said, let's you know, why don't we do this properly? So, so I did that. Fabulous. And you've mentioned without wires a couple of times. Were, mm. were the, was there a lot in the research to suggest that women really need to move away from wired bras in terms of cancer risk? There's there's a lot of noise around that. And when mm. you diagnose with cancer, you look at everything. Of course. Um, yeah, but... you, you take the normal female 20 tabs open on, on the internet and you turn exactly. it into 100 tabs open on the internet. Yeah, Exactly. So, But there is no definitive proof mm-hmm. that wires cause cancer. But you, when you come out of surgery, your breasts are very sore and swollen and, and you know, it, it will be very, very uh, well, unhealthy to have a very hard metal piece sticking in your swollen lymph glands. And, mm. and if you think, you know, the wires actually sit on your lymphatic drainage system underneath your breast so it's very alien as, as a woman to have something so hard and well just wrong sitting against your lymphatic drainage system and there's, absolutely there's, I agree yeah. I mean I'm fortunate enough not to have experienced cancer but of the breast but I went to non-wired bras probably about six, seven years ago now, and I remember mm. trying one on accidentally that had a, a wire, you know, somewhere a couple of years ago, and going, "How mm. on earth is that I normal? Know. That just feels so wrong." It is wrong, and and let's talk about whether or not they are sitting on acupuncture pressure points, and let's mm, talk about whether or not they can, you know, um, pick up radio waves in your mobile phone. But there's no definitive proof. It just you know, it doesn't make any sense to have something that hard on your body. Mm. So that's what it's about. Yeah. And and so someone approaches you, says, let's do this properly. Mm-hmm. What, what does that mean? Like how did you then just all of a sudden become this person who achieved their Kickstarter <laughs> uh, goal in 48 hours? Well, there were a few iterations. <laughs> so so the original company, you know, I, I had a backer in that relationship. It sort of broke down quite quickly. And, you know, I've, I've learned a lot because I'm not in this industry. So 
you know, you've got to choose your backers quite wisely as well. But but as I was developing this, particularly in the last two years when, when I, I lost the original business because of the, the relationship, I started to think about other things. I actually met someone who was over here who runs a circular economy business in the, the Netherlands. And this is a very big idea over there. It runs a jeans company and the jeans are all broken down and they're made into jumpers. And, and it's great because everything is designed to be... Uh, repurposed into something else but but something else which is equally um, clean so organic cotton um, organic threads organic dyes so at the end of life it's not like an upcycled fleece made from plastic bottles which will always be plastic it's something that you can actually bury and go into landfill and it won't create any waste and that got me thinking about well could I actually do this with a bra is this a better idea than non-wide bras and and I'd been making an organic cotton and then you learn that you know, it takes 10,000 litres of water to make one kilo of cotton, whether it's organic or not. And you think, oh, that's not very good. Mm, so. it's, it's a minefield, isn't it? And I think oh. as, a, as a manufacturer, I'd imagine you do, I mean, nothing is black and white, right? And you exactly. do have to go, okay, what's the best scenario out of all of the options? And I've had discussions with um, the wonderful Tim Brooks, who's the head of sustainability for Lego, for example. Mm. And, you know, it was fascinating to talk about what they're up against in terms of all the information, mm. everything that's best for the customer, best for the planet, best for, you know, everything. And you have to do the way up and then come with something out the other end that is at least a big step forward from where you've been. And I think that's what we all need to focus on. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, people talk about all sorts of fabrics all the time. Like, what about bamboo? And the bamboo, there's good bamboo and bad bamboo. So bamboo is, is, yes, it grows like a weed and it takes a lot of water. But some of the processing for bamboo is is done with very caustic chemicals, yes. which are then leached back into the earth. So if there's no no body that certifies the or the integrity of that product or that fibre, be it bamboo or be it, um, hemp will be it. Um, we've got things like soybean and milkweed coming through now, all sorts of great fibers, but I don't know, they were grown and they're botanical, but how were they processed? Mm. And so that's how I chose tensor in the end, because by choosing what we call lensing fiber, um, tensile and, and lensing was a fellow who was an Austrian guy in the 1940s who developed a way of making eucalyptus trees into this botanical fiber which took virtually no water during processing it was a closed loop processing where 95 percent of the materials used to process it are actually reused isn't that so, incredible and this existed is. in 1940 yeah. and look at the crap that we've done since I know, I know. when so we knew you, how to do it right that's the, you, that's a killer, he's way it? ahead of his time oh, you know yeah so 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 my tensile has to be lensing fiber tensile because again there's you know there's there's other tensile and my factory in china said but we've got tensile here in china and i said well is it lensing and no it isn't so well i, I can't use it because it may be it may be um, good and it may be processed well, but I have no proof of that unless I see the lensing trademark and then I know ah, that it's clean. And that's something that us as consumers, when we're thinking, do I get that bamboo item or do I not, is that yeah. a trademark that we can look for, whether we're buying sheets or a bowl for our children or, you know, because bamboo is a bit of a, 
is a bit yeah. of a um, what, what's the word for it? It's a bit of a trendy thing. If it's made of bamboo, it, it must be good. But really, well, as you've said, there's bamboo and there's bamboo when it comes to the processing. Yeah. And there is no way of telling whether it's good bamboo or bad bamboo um, when it comes to to any of those things because there is no there's no sort of grade one bamboo, mm. as it were, where you absolutely know as as a manufacturer or a consumer. That it's correct. So for now, I have to stick with Tinsel yeah. um, because that is certifiable and I know exactly where that comes from. Great. Mm. Okay. Um, and so the elastic is from rubber, trees again. Yes. Talk yes. to me how you – talk to me about how you, you got there. That was so hard. I could only find one manufacturer in the world and it's a, she's an agent in the Netherlands on the border with Belgium, mm-hmm. closer to Dusseldorf than anywhere else. And I couldn't really get her attention because I was someone in Australia. So I have friends in Amsterdam. So when I was over in Europe one time, I said, I'm going to come and see you. And I got on a train for three hours and I went to see this woman. And eventually she realized I was serious. And, um, and yeah, so it, it's the only one that I could find because obviously rubber is, is there's a lot of chemicals in that. There's a lot of recycled rubber, which is great, but it still was never designed to be next to the body, something that might be recycled from tires. Um, so tree rubber from, and again, it has to be from FSC um, or forestry stewardship um, uh, forest, so the sustainably sustainably managed. Um, so it's for us in the Philippines. They send that to Austria, and then there's a company in Austria that will knit it into organic cotton and, and dye that organically too. But they do, they won't do anything until you pay them 100% up front because there is no market for this as a product, so they don't hold stock. Um, gotcha. And you're the only person who's going to buy it, so you're going to pay up front. So it's a, it's a hard slog. And is this why Kickstarter was the natural sort of decision then to? Yeah. yeah. You can't, you know, to get this stuff, um, you, you, in many cases, you're doing it for the first time. It's the same with the hooks and eyes. I've literally only solved that problem because I, I work with a great factory in China and the Chinese have been making lingerie for you know, some the last 15, 20 years and they make beautiful lingerie. But in that time, we've only ever had sort of laminated things and glue. We've got great new processes. So all of the elastic on our bras and all of our hooks and eyes are laminated so they're beautifully soft. But that means that they've got chemicals in them and and i couldn't get them to to make something which was just out of a uh, an organic cotton for example and then i realized that i needed to go back to to europe where you know they've been making lingerie since time immemorial and the way that it used to be done on those bras in the 50s is a piece of fabric sewn and some hooks and eyes sewn in there so so i found a supplier in france that that can do that and and they you know i'm way too small for them they don't really want to have anything to do with me but Thankfully, you can say, well, look, we've got all of this going on and people are excited and it's a it's a world first and can you help us? And, and they've helped us. So it's a slog getting, getting yeah. materials. The yeah. elastic and the hooks and eyes were the worst. Yeah, I can imagine. And mm. um, But it is always a slog to be the first at anything, right? It is. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I spent about six years trying to explain what low-tox meant. And then, <laughs> and then now everybody uses it as, you know, common usage. So it's, yeah. um, you've, you've just got to persevere if you believe in something. That's Exactly. And it's quite frustrating, actually, because when you go to the big laundry fairs, I was there at the big expo um, in Paris last year, and, and all of the suppliers of, of materials are there, and, and the big elastic suppliers from Germany and Switzerland are there. And I said, well, why don't you make anything like this? And they say, well... 
actually, we can do it. We did it once. We did it out of bamboo and nobody bought it. None of the designers bought it. It was too expensive. So we stopped. And I think, yeah, you've just got to really be the one who creates the market yeah. and the awareness. It's so important because only then you're going to put pressure on those big suppliers to say, you have to try harder. You have to provide us with a product people want it absolutely and I really believe that's happening in fashion now there's a it's the real zeitgeist to go well hold on who made this how was it made are they getting paid well is this sustainable you know people are asking the questions so they are yeah that's great Mm. um so tell us about cradle to cradle and how they've helped you along the way yeah, they've been enormously helpful. The Cradle to Cradle in California has a thing called Fashion Revolution, which mm. Stella McCartney and G-Star Jeans have been very involved in. And this is really, again, about that creating something from the begin, the outset, which which has its end and its obsolescence in sight and, and will leave no way. So they've been great in helping me find some suppliers. Um, so some of the products that we have, like the sewing thread, is is from a Cradle to Cradle Gold certified supplier that is is known to fashion positive and then they put me in touch with somebody who could do organic pad printing because you wouldn't believe the waste that goes into screen printing Mm -hmm. when you find out about it wow Um, what kind of waste and why well when you go in when a screen print because i i did that in my other business all of the internal labeling was done screen printing directly to the fabric but Mm. they have to create a screen so that's nylon and wood every time and it's not reusable so that oh all my goes gosh. into landfill i know you hear about that you think oh no i have to worry about that too and it sounds so, so romantic and handmade it doesn't does. it yeah it does and it's just all that nylon can you imagine so mm. so yes that's not a good thing so so fashion positive found me a the traditional way of pad printing we've literally got a rubber ball and a steel plate and organic ink and and it has to be manually done but you you can actually produce something which is organic dyes and there's no waste out of it so so they were super helpful in that and then introducing me to research companies that work with businesses um to get them cradle to cradle certified and i must say that's been a huge challenge for us because i work with some fantastic suppliers and our tensile is from a company in melbourne and he's super helpful and wants to help but their supply chain is is harder to to really engage in in actually coming up with all of the the chemical numbers and formulas for each thing so it's, it's proving to be quite tricky so there's two aspects materials health which is what you do first to make sure that you've got everything and we know that that's what we bought but can we prove it to the you know the cradle to cradle or the yeah cradle to cradle foundation and then the next element which involves when we go into production which we we now will they go to the factory and they meet the factory and they look at things like um you know the governance the use of electricity making sure that people are paid properly and they're working in a safe environment and those sorts of elements too so it's a it's a big thing um and it is hard to achieve in textiles and it it goes back to what we were saying about bamboo it's it's not as um it's just not as easy to authenticate everything in the way that it is for example in the building industry where because of health and safety and fire regulations you have to be very clear if you produce a brick exactly what it's made from you mm. have to produce everything and but if you create a fabric or an elastic you, you don't have to and people are you know suppliers are, are anxious about giving away their secrets and what's in it so 
Well, it's so kind of like the um, the cleaning products, right? So for years and years and decades now, since a legislation uh, that went through in the US um, mm. in the 70s, I believe it was 1971, it was all about saying, well, you know, we don't want other people stealing our trademark at cleaning um, uh, yes. formulas. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we reserve the right to not disclose our ingredients. Now, mm-hmm. that looked like it was just because you didn't want to be copied but actually it was about chemical companies not wanting to disclose what was in it because if, yes. if anyone smart actually had a look at those ingredients, you'd go, well, hold on, where on yeah. earth um, is this going to go if it's going down our waterways, through our skin, etc.? And yeah. uh, And it really does feel like fashions had that same kind of luxury afforded to it for too long when it comes to disclosing exactly how something's made what inks where who buy how paid all that kind of stuff yeah yeah it has and I must say that the the great thing about the process I'm now going through is that um it means that I'm now going to go to a supplier or an agent I'm going to say right anything that you're going to sell me I want to know that you can provide this 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 and this because that's the only way you can then get the cradle to cradle through more easily um, by making sure that people or suppliers are very upfront about that. Or if you are creating a product and you say, right, I want you to knit knit me um, uh, tree rubber elastic into um, hemp, then you have to provide me with all the details that that I need for that. And and I think you just got to start bottom up. But you don't know that when you start initially. you you realize along the way that next time I'm going to do it this way around and and I'm sure we'll get there but it, mm. it takes a long time with something like fashion but it's in the last 12 months even there've been enormous um, advances I think and people like Stella McCartney coming on board and what Claire Price is doing with them yeah like, you know, it's all so important yep. mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so so important, and it all starts at the grassroots with us asking how and and yeah. why. And you know, people don't want to look bad. And the, I mean, this is one of the best, most powerful ways we can use social media is to ask questions on people's Instagram feeds and and post that we're sharing something fabulous that we've found that you know is made completely yeah. transparently. Other companies want a piece of that exposure and want to see people sharing their stuff, so they start to do better. And uh, yeah. and you can, it's a flow on effect absolutely Mm. absolutely so so it's exciting to see those ripples even now on day five you can feel a little bit of that happening and it's it's great awesome now um often the niche aspect of these sorts of uh eco warrior done right way done the right way products um Mm. means that people like us the conscious consumers end up paying through the nose things Mm. just for doing the right thing and you'd you'd think anything for you know if anything we should be cut some slack for wanting to do the right thing um and i'd be interested in your take on this as someone who's had extensive experience in financial services you understand economy so deeply Mm. how do you think we can actually start to bring about an economy of scale in this done the right way sector yeah, well, look, the only way that we can, when I talk about that elastic, you know, mm. I have to pay upfront, um, and I'm not, you know, a, a, a brand, I'm not a huge company or anything, I have to pay upfront, and I'm paying nearly 100 times more mm. um, for that elastic than regular elastic. So I'm taking on, I actually don't know exactly what the cost of this bar is yet, but mm. I know that this is the price that it has to sell at, and I don't know what the margin will be, but I think that this is a price that people will pay, and I think we've proved that people will pay that. 
but it's it's a very expensive piece to make, particularly mm. the first time around. If I needed to make it for a certain price on a certain margin, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm. But hopefully next time, you, you again you create the you create the market for it, and then you can you can do more. Hopefully, we can go on and do more and bigger things, and then you've got more buying power. And also, people around you see, well, hang on a minute, this little tiny company's come along and done this. Maybe we should be doing some of that as well. And and you know they they start demanding better um, products to work with from their suppliers and, and eventually it does have a trickle-on effect. But right now it's not like people are making money out of, of the nicheness of it. Mm. I'm actually not making money out of the nicheness of it, but I'm doing it because I just really – it's more – it's not about the bra for me. It's about the awareness and the, the bigger picture and, and if I can do something to increase consciousness and change behaviour and hopefully build a brand, then mm. that's what I want to do. Yeah, and do you think it's also about us realising as business owners, you know, everyone's taught that, you know, it's all about like increase your profit and next year this goal and that goal and, you know, yeah. get to your million, get to your 10 million. Like actually, <laughs> let's actually yeah. just live a really gorgeous, decent life and do yeah. great work in the world. It feels like we've got this inflated bubble of excess happening um, and and the romance of extreme wealth happening um, in business ownership and, and I just don't think it's sustainable and it doesn't produce our best work when that's the main motivator yeah that's exactly right so so it's uh, and I think there's a movement away from that you can mm. see in a post GFC world you know, people have seen what it what happens when it's making money at any cost and mm. I think a lot of people have taken back their power now and sort of said you know what I don't trust you I'm going to do something with a smaller company or the smaller business on I myself switched from the four majors I won't work with them I, I won't work with someone who who you know can, can get the profit in a quarter of the GDP of a small country so I work with I work with not-for-profit banks and um, and a, an industry super fund because that feels right to me and and I think you know things like B corporation um, are, are growing here I think there's you know there's nearly a hundred B corporations in Australia and that thing about it's about people using business as a force for good and it's not about being the best it's about having a purpose and mm. meaning and, and being the best that you possibly can and i think that philosophy is of uh, business is changing in some areas you're still going to have some where it's all about the bottom line but i think for many of us if i can earn a living doing something i love creating something that change well, that makes an improvement to other people's lives and stops you know, all these bars going into landfill, and that's that's great. I'm really happy. I don't need mm. to be a top 100. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hate to be. Obviously. I know. I know. God, can you imagine the pressure that had come with that? Um, yeah. But I had a beautiful chat with Mike Bronner, the president of Dr. Bronner's, um, when I was in L.A., uh, well, mm. Southern California, where they are in Vista, uh, a couple of years ago. And he was explaining how the highest paid person, um, i.e. himself, his brother, um, who lead the company, are never allowed to earn more than five times the lowest paid person in the company. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, and I said, you know, does, does it ever kind of make you want to, do you ever want to earn more than that? Like do you ever struggle yeah. with that and think, oh, but I could just get that boat or I could get that, you know, because the culture is strong for us to mm. lean towards those material goals. It's still very much there. And he said, you know what? Like I've, I had waves of that when I was younger, but 
Like I still get to go on a great vacation with my family each year. We live in a nice house and it just yeah. we just don't need more than that. Look at all this great work we get to do by giving exactly. so much of it to community organisations. And it was just the most heartwarming frank and open discussion around, um, you know, uh, around what, what makes for a really successful life as a leader of a business. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah. you know, that's going to win for me every time. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And we, I think there was some research that came out here last year saying that I think the average, the, the, the salary level at which someone in this country is happiest is about $100,000. Mm. And if you earn 150 or 200, it doesn't make you happier. In fact, it can make you less happy. But if you're earning less than that, then it might make you less happy because it's harder to get the things. But really beyond a certain point, it, however much we earn doesn't increase our happiness. As long as we meet our needs uh, in our life, and that might be a holiday and a mortgage and the kids, whatever, we're okay. And, mm. and having more doesn't mean better. So, but it's, we were programmed through that, you know, particularly being a little bit older and living through, you know, the 80s and the 90s and those crazy times, you know, mm. it's, um, but it is, it is shifting. And a post-GFC world in a world where most young people in this country will not own their house or earn more than their parents, I think there's a change taking place. So it's great when leaders, you know, you don't need to be earning billion-dollar dividends and things. You, you just need to be running a, a, a responsible and purposeful business. Yeah, it's absolutely. Good. It's nice to have a little ideal, idealistic um, mm. <laughs> a little um, daydream there. But I, I really think, you know, if we all head there as business leaders, then people younger than us are going to come up thinking, actually, yeah, that, that does look better. It looks healthier. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how can we support you? Obviously, there's this huge Kickstarter campaign going that's going bonkers at the moment. Um, yeah. Is it as simple as just hopping onto the website, having a look and um, and potentially buying a bra? That's it. I mean, and you don't even have to buy a bra. You can do a $10 donation, anything. So, it, you know, we I met the goal in the first 48 hours, which is incredibly amazing and humbling. But for, for this to be a sustainable business and not just in the eco sense, but a business that will go on and make other zero waste or low waste or recycled products, mm -hmm. it has to be something that in the end can, you know, I can draw a salary and, um, you know, employ some other people and, and develop new products because it is very expensive to do that. So we just need to raise as much as possible and much, as much awareness. And if, if people can't pledge or contribute, then just pass it on. Pass it on to five people you know that you think might be interested. And and then, you know, hopefully that we get more of a groundswell. And it is about showing the big guys, you know, this is what the little people can do. And this is someone who's got no experience really in, in this world but you know people can make change and mm. um everyone can make change so let's yeah that's all i need let's do it okay and, and um and so do you have the kickstarter link there obviously we'll put it in the show notes but i can just picture people on their phones right now going i want to hear it. i want to see it now well, you know what? It's the most complicated little uh, piece of um, Kickstarter stuff. So it, it's probably better to just Google uh, Kickstarter and um, the very good bra, mm -hmm. um, or just Kickstarter, or just um, yeah, no, actually Kickstarter the very good bra because it looks like gobbledygook. Oh, does the, um, it? Oh, yes, link. I know exactly because what you're I've, talking about. With yeah, those there's, links. there's a website that you find that makes it shorter, or go to www.theverygoodbra.com. And the first link in there will take you straight to the Kickstarter. So that's the faster way to get to it. Awesome. I can see it there. So thevergoodbra.com and it yeah. takes you straight to the Kickstarter. I'm on there right now. 
I'm choosing yeah. my bra and I'm yeah. going to <laughs> be getting one. They Brilliant. look, they just look gorgeous. Congratulations. Oh, it's super comfortable. It's, um, yeah. You know, it's not, it's not going to be La Perla or anything, but it's, mm. it's a really comfortable bra. I want long haul on a plane and it's, it's just so comfortable and it's so silky soft and um, yeah, it's a good feeling. And I think they look really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah no, I'm pretty happy with it. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, it's been thank brilliant you. chatting to you, Steph. Uh, it's okay. such a courageous thing to go out and build a product like this that's so pioneering. So thank you for doing that on the behalf of all of us who want to find products like this but often just get so exhausted asking all the questions and being met with responses that don't meet our criteria as low-tox shoppers that you just kind of go, well, God, I can't even buy a bra that isn't destroying the planet. But now we can. So that's wonderful. It's great. Well, thank you very much for having me and for for supporting the project. That's really great. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And and I'm sure everyone will love it. So I'll speak to you soon. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action and there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.